Welcome to Worth It or Worthless, a show where every couple weeks we pull a game from my own personal collection of retro games, take off our nostalgia-tinted glasses, and decide, is the game good by today's standards, and is it worth the price of admission? We talk about what the game does well, what the game doesn't do so well, and the things that are just plain weird. I'm your host, Dan, joined as always by my friend Jordan. Jordan, what did we get into today? Today, we played Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 for the PS2. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 is the story of Activision realizing that you can release the exact same game every year with small improvements as long as your fan base is willing to keep shelling out cash. Jordan, come on now. What? Small improvements? Yeah, this is, I mean, look, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, but is, did we really need to have a Tony Hawk game three years in a row? Four years in a row? Five years in a row? Six years in a row? I mean, it might have been like 12 in a row before they finally realized Ugh. that the franchise needed a... Needed some, some definitely. Room. It was but, twelve, but look, Tony Hawk Two was a significant improvement um, mechanically over the first game. Yeah, and then Tony Hawk Three, you added reverts, and you, then oh, yeah. you just that's when the the madness of all of the crazy combos really started. Was Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three? I agree. No, there's it's definitely worth existing, and there's yeah. lots of good stuff about this game. It's just like Activision, like maybe if you took more than six months to make a game and you know you put all this stuff in and you could have just released it all at once well see activision this is kind of what they do i i'm they do well it with aware call of duty I'm every well year they did it with guitar hero till that just got completely decimated at least with guitar hero it's like you don't really need new extra gameplay we just want more songs so that one kind of makes yeah, sense that was in the era of guitar hero it was called dlc yeah. But they kept putting out new Guitar Heroes until we just didn't want them anymore. I know. I so. remember. And then they tried to bring it back, and it didn't work with Guitar Hero Live, I think it was called. I don't know. But anyway, they did it with this, and I guess we'll see whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, but this this is before all that happened. This I is, know. I think this is maybe what got the idea into their heads. Th- yeah. Well, this game, uh, if you don't know, Jordan, tied for the highest rated PS2 game on Metacritic, I think. Really? Uh, yeah, this has a 97 on Metacritic, according to the Wikipedia. And I think a GTA game is the only one that's up there tied with it, possibly. Wow. I could be a little bit off on that. But yeah, this is uh, one of the highest Metacritic games of all so time, too. we should say that I think this is our first PS2 game on the podcast, right? Yes. Yes, it is. And you might be like, guys, this is a retro gaming podcast. What are you doing with the PS2 game? Well, officially, the definition of retro is anything older than 15 years. And it may wow. surprise some of you to think this game came out in 2001. This game is almost 19 years old. Yeah, I think PS2 and Xbox and GameCube are considered retro. Well, they sure are now. I mean, yeah. maybe not the end of their lifespan. People are still making PS2 games for uh, some crazy reason. What? Are there's you serious? Like every, yeah, every year there's like Korean Just and Dance 2021. <laughs> no, I mean like, you know, I'm pretty sure. Uh, they're still We, make, we yeah. should have learned like by 51 episodes into this podcast not to trust my retro gaming knowledge, but I'm pretty sure they're still making PS2 games. Somebody, <laughs> somebody out there is. Uh, another interesting thing that I found in my research is this was the first game on PS2 that supported online play. Oh, what was online? Uh, you could play with other people online. Like I don't know if it was the like versus modes or like I specifically. So the game that got me into online gaming was SOCOM on the PS2. Oh, and the other game. Well, I guess I played two other games online. One of them was Twisted Metal Black. And then the other one was Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. So this was one of like my first introductions to online gaming. My first introduction to online gaming would have been like um, Counter-Strike on the computer. Mm. And then we had like Wolfenstein. We only ever had the online games on the computer. I think the first like console that we had that could do online gaming was Xbox 360. Mm. Mm. We were always behind the times when it came to consoles, though. Like we yeah. did not have Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. I didn't realize that till today. I was like, of course I played Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. But then we played it today. And I was like, no, I've never played this game. Yeah, leave it to you. Just like Turtles in Time, Jordan. Leave it to you to just... See, uh, what what's what's a list of some of the greatest games of all time? Yeah, I'm just gonna ignore like pretty much most of them. This is the thing we that's, we that's had you, Jordan. We had an N64. We had Tony Hawk One. We had Tony Hawk Two. It's like, well, why am I gonna buy another one? Because it's this is this is the best one. Well, we'll talk about it. Tony Hawk Three is best is best Tony Hawk. Really? Is best? Yes. Wow. Like I said last podcast, this is my favorite PS2 game. So. You'll have to excuse me. 
Oh, okay. I might need to. to moderate some of them, some yeah, things now. I yeah. might have to go and add some more negative thoughts here just to try to balance yeah. you out a tiny bit. Or you may just have to call me out as biased, trying to take off these nostalgia glasses. Yeah, maybe. All right. So just for all of you out there, this is our third Tony Hawk game we've covered. We covered Tony Hawk 1 in episode 12, Tony Hawk 2 in episode 38, and now Tony Hawk 3 here. And so it'll be interesting to see how these stack up. We like Tony Hawk 1. I like Tony Hawk 2. And Dan notoriously didn't have a great time with Tony Hawk 2. So we'll see how this goes. You know, um, something interesting about that, Jordan, is I was revisiting Tony Hawk 1 and 2 because we've got the remaster coming up uh, within a few days of this episode coming out. And so I was re- I've was i been re-exploring those games. I, I did remember, like, on, on Tony Hawk 2, I was like, I don't know if I ever want to play this game again. I and remember you saying that. Yeah. So as I was, like, thinking about making, like, a Tony Hawk video and getting ready for the new remastered, I realized that I think part of my frustration with that game was like trying to complete objectives and having to pass the controller off. And I think the kind of gamer that I am when I get in that mode, like I just, I need to go do it, but now I have to get the controller to my So I become more impatient because I feel like I can't just take two runs in a row, three runs in a row. And so I think that that might've played a part of me having less fun when we played Tony Hawk 2? That's a really kind way of you saying you didn't enjoy the game because I was really bad at it and you had to play it with me. It had nothing to do with you. Sure, sure. Because uh, I had a great time today. We did, but you did also go and like beat the game by yourself before Yeah, well, over. that was just the thing that I realized is as I was playing the original you know, couple games, I was like, oh, that's why I, I feel like I, I had more fun when I was younger is because I was playing these by myself most of the time and I didn't feel that pressure of like the goals frustrating me and I can't keep trying because I then have to like share. So I just I just don't like sharing with you, Jordan. I was going to say, like I'm pretty sure with my four brothers, it was like, all right, you get one run and then it's somebody else's turn. So yeah, yeah. This was just the classic experience. But you definitely do, as you play more, you get into a groove. So I can see that. I can understand that. Yeah. And I think I'm just, as a gamer, you and I have different um, temperaments. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What? Uh, You know, I'll rage quit a game and I'd, I'd be surprised if you ever rage quit a game in your life. Um, it, it's probably happened playing against my brothers. It was funny. We did get a, uh, a message earlier this week on Instagram from retro librarian gamer. And, uh, he said, uh, the recap in our last episode, we ended with a, like a 13 minute long recap of all the episodes. And he says that he remembers in the early episodes agreeing with Dan most often, (laughs) but that recently he's flipped and he finds himself agreeing with me more often. You just couldn't help yourself. Could you? No, I had to bring that up. It's just a good example of how, (laughs) you know, we have different gaming personalities and, uh, I don't know. I feel like the tide is changing and slowly people are leaving your corner and coming over to mine. Slowly. Yeah. And taking retro once every, gaming once every seriously. two years you get a you get a fan in your corner. Yes, this is the first <laughs> defection, but there there surely are many more to come. I seem to remember uh seeing people responding on Twitter about wanting to listen to the episode just to make sure that it wasn't worth the two dollars that Jordan probably said it was worth. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. um, you know. That also happens. I think I've still got plenty of people on my side. You do. All right. Let's look at (laughs) Tony Hawk 3 and see what it does well. All right. I mean, I kind of already buried the lead here a little bit at the beginning, but I feel like this is Tony Hawk 1 and 2, but just taken to the next level. The physics and the gameplay feel like a big improvement over the first two. So, yeah, the one of the things that I thought that this game did well was the mechanics are all there. They yep. were finally there for the huge combos for, you know, getting 200,000 plus point combos because you could have the reverts and the manuals. And that's one of the things I think that really makes this game uh, feel, I don't know, it's, it's sure it's not realistic at all. At least there was like some modicum of realism left in Tony Hawk 2 and you can... You know, you have to stop when you go onto a vert ramp. But um, I feel like this game really did sort of become exactly what it needed to be to sort of propel the franchise to the highest highs. Yeah. And I it was interesting because before we played the game today, we watched the Tony Hawk 
pretending I'm Superman documentary, which was sort of about the the making of these games yeah. and how the series came to be. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to hear Tony Hawk say that another company actually approached him to like endorse their game, but he felt like it was way too technical yeah. and too difficult. And he wanted something that was kind of arcadey and easy to pick up and for people just to be able to like kind of do crazy things right off the bat, just start doing tricks. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this game fully leans into that like arcade sports aspect of you know, doing tricks and combos and stringing things together that you never possibly could in the real world. And that's what I remember when I think about Tony Hawk. And then we finally had that here. Yeah. Yeah. We will talk about that documentary more a little bit later, but, um, yeah, I really felt like this is the one, uh, I played some Tony Hawk four in preparation for this episode. And I was trying to like figure out why doesn't Tony Hawk four feel quite as classic and it's because they like got away from some of the formula. It's where the the uh, game started to become a little bit more open world and a little less of that arcade. Like you have two minutes to do your thing, and then you have to start all over again. Whereas Tony Hawk Four kind of got rid of that idea. Uh, so I feel like in the, the in the way that so many franchises do, where it's like the first one's good, the second one kind of becomes this incredible thing, and then the third one is where they start to like really tighten up the formula in the best possible way and then that just beyond that a lot of the time goes poorly yeah so the gameplay was definitely a huge improvement but not just the gameplay since we're now on the ps2 instead of on the playstation Mm -hmm. or the n64 you also have a huge upgrade in terms of the graphics and the sound quality which was really nice you're not like rubbing your eyes or um, (laughs) like having tears fall down because you're looking at giant blocks of pixelated 3d nonsense yeah we did play this with uh, an original ps2 with component cables so it's a little bit clearer than you might get otherwise but it's kind of like the best part of, well i don't want to say it's the best signal you're going to get out of a ps2 but it's certainly better than you know it looked back in the day yeah i mean you finally start to get out of with the playstation one and the n64 it was like our first foray into 3D mm. home console graphics. And we've talked a lot on this show about how those don't always hold up so well. But looking back at the PS2 and what we played today, it's like you finally are getting to something where you're like, all right, these are early 3D graphics, but they're not hurting me to look at. Yeah. And I don't mean yeah. that like hurting me like from a art sensibility standpoint, but like <laughs> this is actually physically painful to look at an n64 (laughs) game for a long period of time because it's just so muddy and blocky and bad yeah yeah uh sort of transitioning from the improvements of the ps2 i have the mechanics under what this game does well and i have a few things that i thought that the the mechanics improved on significantly from previous games one of the things is that the special meter now fills as you do your combo instead of when you land your combo oh which i don't know if you noticed no um that's part of what helped make all of the crazy combos possible is because as you keep doing tricks your special meter is staying full and then you can keep doing special moves over and over and over again whereas that wasn't the case in previous tony hawk games see i like that yeah it's great it was it enabled again the the wild combos that you could do in this game are because of that small change yeah like i didn't have enough time with this game today to like get to the level where i was when i was a kid and Mm. i would be landing those like you know six digit combo scores um but we played a game of horse in multiplayer and it'd be like okay here i go and i'll put up like maybe the highest I hit was like 8,000, 10,000 points yeah. if I got really lucky and the Dan would go and do some crazy thing and like hit 150,000 points in one combo. <laughs> and it's like, cool, all right, yeah. I don't think I did that in the the multiplayer, but... <laughs> no, but it, it definitely happened throughout the course of us playing this game. It's like you were capable of yeah. putting together 150,000 points in one combo because of the changes that they made and really leaning into that yeah. uh, arcade sports feel. Yeah. Another mechanic that I like that they improved here is they have hidden tricks, which is like if you double tap the flip trick button, you can do like double or triple kick flips or like 360 shove it or, or, you know, double, triple heel flips. And you can like change in the middle of grinds. And I thought that was just another way of they added like pivots on manuals and stuff like that. They really 
opened up the combo system with this game with a lot of these little changes that they made, which I think really just made the game a lot more fun. The other Tony Hawk one and two are fun games, but like, I feel like that sense of skill and mastery really like peaked. Well, not, not peak. Cause I mean, all the Tony Hawks after this kind of had that, but like it became the first time that we really, I remember playing this game as a kid, uh, and my friend brought it over and I watched him play and he was like really good at it. And it like broke my brain seeing him do all the stuff. Yeah. And it was kind of like, this wasn't possible previously. Yeah. And so that was just due to a lot of these mechanical changes that they made that, um, I really feel like the only mechanic that's missing here is the spine transfer slash, um, straightening yourself out. If you're about to fall on pavement, which like in later Tony Hawks, you could press R2 and you would either spine transfer or you would land on your board and land the trick instead of like landing on your face. Um, but other than that, like all the mechanics are here that you need. In like the first paragraph of you talking there, you said a whole bunch of skateboard lingo that <laughs> I'm sure I didn't understand most of it and probably other people didn't, but I'm really proud of you and it sounded really cool. So, um, <laughs> Hang t- hang ten, bro. I I don't even. That was great. You just you're just gonna agree. Just, I I agree. Well they, done. They added all sorts of stuff, and you can do more cool moves. <laughs> <laughs> That's somehow just such a metaphor for this podcast. Yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> it, another one of those things that's kind of interesting from from that documentary, uh, where they were talking about how kids would come up to these skaters after they had seen them in the game. Like yeah. I never knew who Eric Costin or like any of these. Like, yeah. Tony Hawk. Maybe I had heard of Tony Hawk because he landed the nine hundred like shortly before this game came out. Mm-hmm. And we weren't like huge into skateboarding or anything, but you'd turn on the TV and you'd watch the X Games. And it's like, oh, that guy just spun a bunch of times. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but these guys are talking about kids coming up after them after this game. Came out and like talking all these like skateboarding trick lingo and stuff that like people didn't know any of this stuff before this game and i never heard of any of these games yeah. like benihana was a an expensive japanese restaurant <laughs> down the road i didn't know that it was like a skateboard trick so um it definitely did impact the culture i'm sure yeah. i don't know if you would have known all of that stuff if it hadn't been for this game no definitely not and i think we talked about that in previous episodes the the cultural importance uh, oh yeah absolutely this game like actually got me into skateboarding but uh, the next thing that I have is I don't think there's any bad levels in this game. Oh. Now, Jordan, granted, we were in a little bit uh, of, a, of a hurry. We, we watched the documentary today. Yeah. And so some of the levels towards the end, we didn't have as much time to spend with, like getting every objective done and all that stuff. And so I feel like maybe you would have uh, garnered an appreciation for all the levels if you would have had a little bit more time with them. So this is the thing. I I really went back and forth. I actually had this on like the bad list and then I took it off the bad list. And like, I'm not really sure how I feel about all the levels in this game. On one hand, there's really cool stuff, but they're like, you can play these levels a bunch of times. They seem kind of big and you can um, like find new areas, like whole big areas that are probably like half the size of a whole level. Or maybe there's, there's secret areas in this game that are probably the size of the warehouse level from Tony Hawk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I like that aspect of it. On the other hand, I also felt like you knew where everything was and you're just like zipping around and like you have played this so much that you know all of this stuff. To me, as a person playing this game for the first time, I felt like the levels did not flow as well as the first two games. Mm. Like think of like the school level um, or... I can't even think of the other like the school level is a good a good thing. It's 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 big. Um, there's lots of areas, but everything flows together. Yeah. And then I'm thinking of this game, and you have like the Canada level or the airport, and there's just like a lot of sections that don't seem like they flow together, and like the secret areas expand and make the level so much bigger, but it's kind of disjointed because you don't know they're there. And I don't know if I had played this more, if I would have like thought that that was cooler and appreciated the levels more. But as somebody coming to this for the first time, I liked the skate park levels because you could see everything and it was all out in the open. Um, But then some of the other levels, it was just like more confusing and disjointed and I didn't feel like stuff flowed together as well. And I kept running into things and I didn't like that. Yeah. Part of how I approached this game was a little bit more like our single player episodes. I probably put five to 10 hours into this game before we played today. Yeah. And so I Definitely re-familiarized myself. And when I was coming back to it, like looking for all the stat points, stuff like that, I was like looking stuff up online and like going, oh yeah, there's this secret area. So a lot of what you saw me doing today was like 
I I had done the work previously because I kind of wanted to approach this game like, what's it like if you buy Tony Hawk and you actually play it for like a week or two yeah. weeks and all that stuff? And so like my first run in the the foundry or whatever, you saw me hit like six objectives or something. Yes, it was Ridiculous. very impressive. Very impressive. But it's like when you've done it with five different skaters before that, you're like, all right, well, here I'm going to, to do this again. And that's kind of what I was talking about in previous episodes when I you were like, this isn't a game you're really going to try to speedrun. And I was like, actually, Tony Hawk is a game that you kind of try to speedrun because the whole point is to sort of knock out these objectives as much as possible and to, to optimize runs when you've got to do it with 10, 15 different skaters. Um, so I, f- I wonder if you you know, spent another five to 10 hours with Tony Hawk three and you had known all that stuff. If you would have appreciated the levels a little bit more. I think that's, I think that's definitely true. And that's why I took it off of my list of what the game does poorly, because I I came to realize I just need to play this more. And I'm thinking about when I was a kid and we played a ton of hours in these games and learned the levels and got really good with the combos. And so I, I realized that it is, the downside of just like picking this up and playing it straight through was I was missing yeah. out on that experience. Yeah. So I think you're right. Yeah. I just, and I'm not saying like every single level on here is just like the best, but I don't think that there are any bad levels. There's no, the New, Canada New level York level, the Canada level was a bad level to me because no. there were so many places you could just fall off the map. And I didn't like, that. <laughs> I don't like falling off the map. You got to get good, Jordan. You got to get good. What else do you have? Um, as far as what the game does well. Yeah. Uh, I really liked in the intro scene when they're doing like all like the skate clips, the flippy, the flippy dude. They're doing the they're doing the tricks, the skate <laughs> tricks, and they do like the section where they're showing Chad Muska, and he was wearing a mask, and I really appreciate <laughs> um, that he did all that. Right. To, um, yeah, no, it was weird. He in the like intro video, Chad Muska is wearing like a surgical mask, and it's like whoa. I think he used to. Um, he he did some graffiti. I think was, oh, was one of his things. So you saw him okay. in like a painting mask. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what 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 else do you have that the game does well, Jordan? <laughs> um, it it was it was good and it improved on the originals. And I don't have anything else. Wow. I mean, I like all of the things that I've said good about the previous Tony Hawk games would also apply to this. It's fun, which is great. The multiplayer is fun, and it has some things for if you're like me and you suck at tricks. Well, why don't you just go play tag? All right. You know, go hit your friend. <laughs> so, um, th- there was good things about this game. And it was definitely an improvement, but uh, I'll let you hit the finer points. Yeah, I've got a few a few more things. Um, uh, multiplayer, again, classic, fun. I think, I don't know how many modes that they added, but you've got like a, a tag mode where you can, whoever, you try to hit each other and whoever's moving faster. Yeah, smack, slap, slap, slap each other. You got uh, King of the Hill, which is one person has the crown and they move really slow. The other person's got to chase them around. It was uh, um, it, it was, was right. okay. Yeah. And when you have the crown, you go really slow. Yeah. Yeah. Graffiti was a lot of fun. Um, multiplayer had a few Tony Hawk 1 levels, which I yeah. was surprised and very happy about. That was great, seeing yeah. those old throwback levels. Yeah, yeah. But overall, multiplayer, standard fare, fun. I think multiplayer is in the Tony Hawk remaster that's coming out in a couple days it better be why wouldn't it be um so that'll be interesting and i think it's got online multiplayer so that could be could be interesting we'll see how that plays out but um multiplayer great uh i have a section in this game or in my notes called systems Ooh, that sounds official yeah uh so now you get uh, a new special slot for completing all of your objectives in each level Whereas in, in previous games, they got, so they did away with the money system in this game. And I yeah. think that that is actually a good choice because in previous games, you had to get money to unlock new stats and new boards and all that stuff and new tricks. And we, in the old games, you never bought new tricks because they're so expensive. Yeah. And they so, did make it way easier to get the stat points in this game. Yeah. And so every, every level has five stat points in it, which change based on the skater. Oh, um, I think there's like, maybe three or five different sets of locations for stuff. Interesting. So in this game, you pick up decks in levels. That's how you unlock your new decks. You don't buy them. And then the skate letters change locations. The stat points in the decks all change location. And that was kind of a, uh, I'm not sure. I was kind of uh, on the fence about whether that's a good or bad thing. Cause Tony Hawk is like I said, kind of about optimizing your run and like doing it and as few runs as possible because you do the same thing so many times. So on the one hand, it's like, well, it's good that they changed it up. 
But on the other hand, it's like, well, now I got to learn. There's a bunch extra of, a places bunch of to locations. collect stuff. So yeah. It's probably for the best, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, the last thing under like the systems that I have was uh, you got some customization options in this one. You can change your change your skater's clothes. You can yep. uh, change your grip tape. You can change your wheel color. Um, there's like a bunch of different like little customization options that I thought were nice adds to this. They're not like anything revolutionary, but hey, I can nice. I can make my grip tape blue instead of black. Yeah, it I gives want. you a lot of the player customization options that were only for the build a player before but now you can like what t-shirt is eric costin gonna wear yeah right you can wear this one or no t-shirt or no t-shirt <laughs> yeah all right uh th- well actually i've got one more point Let's i think i think you'll disagree okay i'm ready as, as usual but i like the soundtrack in this game oh my <laughs> i do yeah. in the same way that like tony hawk 2 is like all right, well, I probably wouldn't listen to a lot of these songs outside of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, but they work here. And I feel the same thing about Tony Hawk 3. Now, I don't think the soundtrack is as good as Tony Hawk 1 and 2, but I still like, I don't know. I'm like, sure, I'll listen to Motorhead and CKY. Like, why not? Let's do this. (laughs) All right, let's transition to what the game does poorly. For me, um, this wasn't number one on my list, but since you just mentioned it, I'll say the soundtrack <laughs> in this game is not great. <laughs> and it's kind of, it's first of all, you're right. It's not as classic as the first two games. The second thing that's kind of like head scratching about this is you can kind of tell that the devs leaned on these older pros who were like the guys in the game yeah. because there's no way that this is the music that young kids who are skating would be listening to. It's like early late 80s early 90s hip-hop and then like uh what would basically be like dad rock there wasn't enough like punk and ska in this game yeah it definitely took a a turn uh for the not so great and it's interesting now that i'm thinking about it is there was a clip that uh the documentary posted on twitter of one of the skaters talking about this band they had asked him about a band that he wanted in the game yeah and that wasn't in the documentary they didn't Ooh. they cut it out so probably because they realized like oh yeah man as these games went on our music taste got worse what do you because mean you even pointed out that in the fourth game they have like acdc yeah and that's not like yeah. skate kid not listening to acdc no i don't think so so i don't know i feel like the soundtrack is a miss on this one the only song that is like that brought me back to that time period was the cky song which i don't even like <laughs> cky but just because those videos were so big and bam margira and all that like yeah it makes sense like if he's going to be in this game for the first time you have to have like his signature song or whatever but <laughs> yeah the soundtrack on this is is a big miss for me uh, uh tony hawk pro skater 4 they added ACDC and uh, Django Fett as a, a playable skater. So a couple of maybe downgrades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I forgot to touch on the the extra skaters, right? I think that that may be possibly what the game does well. You got Wolverine here. Instead you, of Spider-Man, you got Wolverine this time. Yeah, you got Darth Maul. That's a fun one. It's interesting. You got Kelly Slater, pro surfer. Which is funny. He's on a surfboard. Yep. Which we didn't try. We should have tried it. I feel like that would just be weird with a long surfboard. Yeah, I don't know. All right, back to what the (laughs) game does bad. And this is going to be kind of a shocking one. So I need you guys to prepare yourselves because, as you all know, I'm a big fan of cutscenes. I'm I'm pretty much (laughs) always a fan of cutscenes. Like, you put a cutscene in a game and it makes my heart happy. It's like, oh, look at these little guys. Something's happening. But Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 has the most unnecessary and terrible use of cutscenes ever in a video game. You'll be in the middle of a two-minute run where you're stringing together these combos. It's high-energy arcade action. And they're like, let's pause for a second while we have a really slow animation of a cutscene that is completely unnecessary. Uh, I don't know, You know man. I'm right. Just go with me Not, on this one. I don't know. You it's know, just, Dan. It, it's like, oh, you knocked the foreman into the, the water. Yeah. Waka, waka, waka. Like, oh, here, you gave this skinny guy an axe. Let's pause for 20 seconds while he knocks down the wall and then gets you can, sucked I into the abyss. Skip it. Why? Why do you need that? You don't need that. It just shows the levels changing mostly. 
But you'd had that in the previous games where you'd open up a secret area and they didn't have to pause the game and have a cutscene. Yeah, well, maybe you would have known what the secret areas were. Because, like, sure, you open up the gym in school, too, in the previous game, but, like, you don't see the doors open. So, like, I don't know, man. This is the thing. And it's not... This is part of it, Dan. Is It's not just the cutscenes, but it is giving you a little taste of the downfall of this great franchise. Because these cutscenes are always tied to something kind of like wacky or like some crazy antic and that is where this franchise eventually begins to go downhill as it leans less on skateboarding and more on crazy antics it's really really interesting that you say that because one of the things that i have written down and that the game doesn't do well as as i said in some sense this is where some of the objectives started to get a little outlandish yeah um now granted like wall ride the bells in you know tony hawk 2 like there was some weird like ollie the magic bum yeah i mean there's definitely some of those weird objectives in the original or uh, in in the second game but this one is like uh the guy's got his tongue stuck to a pole go run and run into him or like bury the bully in snow yeah both of those are from the uh, Canada level just reinforcing yeah. that it's a bad level or like grind the molten bucket in this in the foundry I'm fine with that I'm fine with like grind whatever you're yeah. it's Tony Hawk you're supposed to be grinding everything but when yeah. it's like grind the thing so that the the hook goes and hits the guy into the water and now we're going to pause and watch a cutscene. and yeah. it just the last game so we had Tony Hawk 1 and 2 on N64 and then I remember having Tony Hawk Underground and Underground 2 and those games super lean completely away from skateboarding and into yeah. crazy antics it's basically um, Jackass, the TV show, the video game, yeah, with skateboards, right, and um, yeah, it, it becomes all about like doing crazy objectives and less about the skateboarding, and you kind of get a little bit of a precursor of that in this game, and I kind of just rubbed me the wrong way because those games were fun, but they really don't have the charm and nostalgia of the first two. Yeah, it definitely was the tipping point because as I was playing Tony Hawk 4, just in case, you know, it was relevant to this conversation, it was like in the college level, you're like knocking over jocks and like it, it added these mini games where you could like play tennis and like baseball and you have to like knock kegs off the the ledge. Or like there's all this like weird stuff where it's like, okay, yeah. This that is, was in Tony Hawk 4? Yeah. Interesting, because in that documentary, they talked about how in this game, they leaned a little bit too hard into like the stereotypes of what a skater is, and yeah. it was like less actual skateboarding, and then they tried to go back to being more um, like pure skateboard-focused yeah. in 4. So, I mean, yeah, it is interesting, and it's not bad. It's fun, but it kind of just detracts from it, and it ties yeah. in with the yeah. unnecessary cutscenes in yeah. a way. So, I don't know. Didn't love that. Yeah. Uh, I have a nitpicky thing that the game doesn't do well Nitpick. as I was discovering because I, I had my original save still on my memory card and I have two PS2 memory cards. There was no way that I could see to have two save files like in previous games and even in Tony Hawk 4 you would like write the name of your save file and you could have multiple save files but I don't think you get like a new game on Tony Hawk three. If you want to have like, if you and your brother wanted to have a save file on the same memory card, I don't think you can do that. And that really kind of bugged me. See the way that we got around that when I was a kid is that we each had our guy that we played as, and then, you know, you'd beat the game with your guy. Well, sure. But like, as I'm coming back to this game, I'm like, well, I just want to start a new game without overwriting my original save file where I've got the game beat with 80% of the skaters. Then you use the other 20%. Well, I did. But then today, as we're playing it, you know, like it was like, oh, I'm gonna go play this game with Jordan. We're gonna, you know, start fresh. And so it's like, well, all of my guys have max stats, and you can't redo the objectives and the levels. Gotcha. So we couldn't replay without a brand new skater. And it's just, I don't know. It was one of those weird minor annoyances that I, I mean, I wish I was wrong. I couldn't find a way around it. Yeah. All right, I got one last thing. All right. Um, and you could tell me if I'm wrong on this, but it didn't seem any longer wrong. than the first two. <laughs> you only got 10 levels? Uh, it is longer. It, it is? Okay. It definitely struck me as longer as I was like playing it this week before you came over. All right. Now, part of the reason it didn't seem as long is because I've got you know like 10 hours into it. Now I know where That's everything true. is. And I was trying to make this... Uh, when you came over to do this episode today, I was trying to be like, all right, I don't want to learn where these levels and everything is at because it's going to really draw out the process of us playing through this game. And so I 
did all the grunt work of finding where all five pumpkins were in suburbia and like the thin man needs his key yeah that was dumb. where is his axe so it was like i found a lot of the stuff that when you're on your first run maybe first two runs you're gonna go what am i supposed to do where that's true how do i bury the bully or where are the skaters that i need to impress in canada or like any of that stuff i just or the pickpockets in the airport who are spread out through the entire level um i think that the first few playthroughs of this game really are going to be on the more like three hour side. Yeah. Uh, Cause that was my experience when I came back to it. It was like, this is these, I couldn't, and I couldn't finish a run from top to bottom in a single sitting when I was playing this before today. Yeah. So I just Googled it and it looks like there were eight levels in Tony Hawk pro skater two and there's 10 in this. So Ooh. It, it is longer. It still doesn't feel like a super long game, but like no. you said in the past, this game is really more about, getting good and you know trying to get those higher scores yeah you can replay the levels over and over Mm -hmm. so it's not really a huge downside there's only 10 levels but that's the last thing i could think of right i actually don't have anything else under what the game doesn't do so well that's not surprising (laughs) 97 on metacritic jordan 97 which is funny because they always talk about how like tony hawk pro skater 2 is like one of the greatest games of all time but then nobody mentions three um, I think people mentioned three. I think a lot of people really like Tony Hawk three. All right. I, think this I don't is a very important game. I don't know how I missed this game. I, just I don't know either. The same way you missed turtles in time. Well, yeah, I don't know. There's something about that that I think the reason is, is because it was only a two player game and there was four of us. So we weren't yeah. buying a lot of two player games. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, do you want to touch on the documentary real quick? Yeah, I mean, we've already mentioned a little bit about it. It's definitely cool. It's worth checking out if you're into skateboarding mm-hmm. or into these games. It starts off with like a really brief history of skateboarding, scrape, uh, and then it goes into <laughs> it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's skateboarding. <laughs> it goes into um, how the game came about, and it kind of like debunks some of the the urban legends that are out there about. Yeah. And Tony Hawk even talks about it. How people think like, oh, you only got this game because you landed the 900. He's like, actually, we were working on the game for two years before yeah. that. Yeah, but it was pretty amazing to see that he lands the 900. You couldn't have had a better promotional moment for a yeah. game that's coming out two months later. Right. He lands the 900. It's all over the news, and it's like, oh hey, and I got a game coming out. Right. So it was pretty cool. I, one of the things that stood out to me that I thought was really funny, what sold him on it, other than the fact that the game was like kind of the arcade sports where they made it easier, mm-hmm. is they pitched it to him by having um, Bruce Willis skate around a skate park with a, a gun strapped to his yeah. back. Yeah. And it's yeah. like. Yeah, okay. Right. It was an asset from one of or from the previous Neversoft game that they were trying to like get up and running and part of what I have that the that that I liked about the documentary was that it showed early build footage of Tony Hawk Pro yeah. Skater and I was like this is exactly the kind of stuff that I want to see. I've been really craving um development stuff about the original Tony Hawk just because I love that kind of stuff. I'm a nerd for for behind the scenes stuff like that. And there was quite a, a good amount of like that looks different than the game that we got. Oh, that looks different. And it was just really cool to see the evolution of Tony Hawk Pro Skater. And and I feel like that game is such a cultural phenomenon and just like a sort of a, I don't know if once in a generation or, or whatever it is, but it was really, really cool to get into all of that stuff. I thought the documentary captured the the cultural importance and what it meant to skateboarding and how it popularized things. And it touched on the X games and like all this stuff. And it touched on like, you know, the random kids coming up to skaters. Like Rodney Mullen tells a story out about (laughs) how he was in like kind of a rough neighborhood and he was about to get beat up. And then they were like, are you the guy in that game? Like, Oh, and he said they turned from like what bully to kid in their, in their sort of posture towards him. And so it's interesting how this game really was culture shifting. Yeah. Um, also, if you are a fan of uh, classic video game documentaries like King of Kong or Chasing Ghosts, you get more Walter Day in this one from Twin Galaxies. <laughs> He's not quite as quirky. They don't uh, show any of his super eccentricities, but uh, it was nice to see Walter Day still kicking around. <laughs> I wasn't sure how you were going to take to that. See, I <laughs> Walter Day seems like the one redeeming part of Twin Galaxies. <laughs> now, his unfailing love for Billy Mitchell might be his greatest downfall. This is though. so interesting to me about you. It's just what? like your fascination with Twin Galaxies and, and the whole thing. It's just been a recurring theme 
at different periods of this podcast. I mean, they, you just bringing up Billy Mitchell every couple months. Both both <laughs> Billy Mitchell and Steve Weeb are uh, are playing King Kong or Donkey Kong, King Kong playing Donkey Kong again and uh, submitting scores and working their way up the leaderboard. So I feel like we could have a sequel <sighs> on our hands, Gosh. and I'm excited. <laughs> uh, I got a few things at the documentary didn't do so well jordan oh okay yeah well so one it's only i think about 70 minutes long yeah i really wanted it to be longer like i've i found myself sitting there going man like that's it like i was i was bummed because i was i mean i i I think it was crowdfunded to get this thing made anyways but uh i was i was a little bit bummed that it was as short as it was and another thing was like they didn't interview all of the original cast of, of skaters yeah and i would have loved to hear more perspectives of the people that they weren't able to get into this thing um it's too bad i mean i again i think it was crowdfunded so it was probably just a bandwidth thing yeah it really goes the most in depth on the first and second games and then you get about 10 seconds on the third game and then a, <laughs> a little bit longer on the fourth game and then a little bit longer on the two underground games and the, then from there, just the downward slide of the Tony Hawk franchise. Yeah, yeah. And they uh, they ended up cutting out the Rage Against the Machine song that opens up the video on Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. They, like, made it a different song. I know that so they're, I like... the budget was a bit of a hang-up on some of the stuff. Yeah, I know that they are notoriously uh, anti-having their songs licensed unless you pay them <laughs> a ton of money. Um, it's almost like they have become the machine. But, uh, you know, they got to rage against something. And in this case, they're raging Uh, against uh, licensing their music for a reasonable cost. Yeah, right. Uh, The last thing that I have is I, I, like I said, I'm I'm a nerd for like the development stuff. And there there was a good amount of it, but I wanted more of that behind the scenes. I wanted to hear more from the developers. I wanted to hear more about like the kind of nitty gritty details of how they put this thing together. If you like that kind of stuff, and it's not super nitty gritty, but for anyone out there who's like, I want more video game documentaries, if you've got Netflix, check out the new miniseries High Score. It's really good. It does dive into that, and they interview a ton of old devs, yeah. including, uh, I think it opens up with the dev of the infamous E.T. Atari game that basically crashed the market in the <laughs> 80s, and it's really interesting. I've been, I'm only about halfway through it right now, but um, so far, so good. Yeah, Yeah, I'll have to check it out. You're the second person who's told me about it. And so I'm like, eh, we've had that. two or three or more people reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter and say, have you guys watched this yet? And I'm like, I'm trying to just, yeah. it's long and yeah. it's good. Right, right, right. Uh, that is all that I have on the documentary, Jordan. Do you have any, any final notes on it? No, no more on it. It's worth watching. If you can find it somewhere, uh, check it out. So I guess it's it's probably a good time to say the documentary ten dollars is that worth it or worthless, Jordan? Oh, ten dollars! Is it gonna? It's gonna probably end up streaming somewhere soon. Wait for that. Wait for that streaming. Uh, uh, what's it called? Do you know when they get a streaming agreement? It pops what's up that, on what's Netflix. What's that called? That that streaming thing. Yeah, when you it know, shows the, up the on inter- uh, internet, Movies Plus internet. or Netflix or Crackle, uh, Crackle or uh, you know any of that kind of stuff. I personally wouldn't spend $10 on it because wow. um, I feel like I would watch it one time and never watch it again. So that's me personally. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I, I paid the $10 for it and I'm happy. I'm like, I was watching it and I'm like, I'm going to watch this more. And like, well, <laughs> part of it was my three-year-old was like kind of talking and doing his ABCs and singing songs during some of it. So I didn't get to like get all the details but i feel like there's enough here that i'm gonna probably watch it another two or three times that's a bonus commentary track you gotta usually pay extra for those bonus (laughs) commentary tracks i well speaking of that like i would love to see a special edition like the clip that i saw that got cut out on twitter i'm like where is all of this stuff like give me my 90 minute documentary oh that's what i want as somebody who has um filmed and edited a documentary a lot of stuff, even a lot of good stuff, ends yeah. up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. So you can, I can't blame them. We actually kept uh, all sorts of stuff that we cut out of the the one that I worked on, and you know, shared lots of clips from it. But it just doesn't always work into the yeah. flow of the the film. So well, maybe this, as of I think a couple of days ago, the the filmmakers had said like it's still at one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like maybe we'll get like a great Blu-ray of it or something with all the things. There you go. Like, that'd maybe. be awesome. I hope it's wildly successful 
But to me, it's worth it. Like if you like Tony Hawk, $10, absolutely worth it, especially since the rental price on Amazon was like 6 or $7. There you go. And $10 for the whole thing. It's like, well, of course I'm going to just like pay the 10 instead of 6 Of course you are. Of course you are. Yeah. If you like Tony Hawk, you owe it to yourself to pick this up. And if you like Tony Hawk, you could also just wait for it to show up on Netflix someday. Or Amazon Prime. Probably stop Amazon it, Jordan. Prime. Stop it. All right. Let's move on. All right. Uh, so what would you pay for the experience that you had with this game today, Jordan? Um. Oh, man. This is where I really should have gone back and listened to our first two Tony Hawk episodes because I have no clue what I said for those. So I'm probably going to embarrass myself. I think for Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, you said if it showed up on the eShop, you'd pay $9.99 for it because you know they're not going to charge $10 for it. Okay. That's what you said. That's funny because I'm feeling the exact <laughs> same about this. I'm feeling the exact same about this. If it was on the eShop on the Nintendo Switch... Um, I could see myself paying like 10 bucks for this or waiting around for like a sale for it to drop to seven bucks because, you know, that's how I am. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't pay more than 10 bucks for this, though. Wow. Yeah. I'm really just hoping that the um, remasters of one and two eventually find their way to the switch and make this irrelevant. Well, the demo has switch con- controller configuration files like built into them or something. I know, but I feel like they so, do that all the time just to tease us. It could be. Uh, feasible they're probably just trying to figure out how to uh how how few things that they can, they can cut out to make it actually run on switch it's probably they're actually trying to get it to 480p but they just can't seem to do it you know that's rude it's probably <laughs> actually um a, another bandwidth issue where they're just like we don't know if we can handle 7.5 billion people trying to download this onto their switch at the same time they were like how do we scale this ps4 and xbox one game down to fit on a Game Boy advance just no. can't seem to do it. Oh my goodness! Just, All right, I'm gonna say to ten it. bucks. What are you gonna say? Uh, man. Okay, I need to be. Hey, I, I don't know where I'm coming in on this. You need to be reasonable. I know I'm trying to be reasonable, but I'm also trying to be realistic. Because Turtles in Time, I was like, I my gut says seventy dollars. I'm like, I don't know if that's true, but like that's how I feel about that game that I really love. And so, so like, two weeks later, now in retrospect, have you realized that that was a silly thing to say? I haven't really thought about it very much. To be oh. honest, uh, and I'm trying to think of if I would. The hangup that I'm having right now is I know what this game is going for. Oh, but how much would I pay for the experience that I've I have with this game? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think about like because I'm like, well, yeah, I would pay ten dollars for this, obviously, but I'm like, well, how much would I actually pay? And I'm, and I think maybe twenty to twenty five is where I would come into this without this. Well, was that what I saw the glasses? <laughs> I'm trying to think. This is great to see you finally reckoning with the well, your I'm trying inner to think collector. If I put on nostalgia glasses, if that comes up to like thirty dollars. I feel like that's a the, very small multiplier. Glasses. If you're saying that your favorite PS2 game of all time and then you putting taking off the nostalgia glasses is only lowering the price five dollars, Dan. Well I'm saying, okay, so like my gut right now is like telling me ten to fifteen. Okay. Stick with your gut. That's my gut on like realism, but I'm like, all right, well, if I put the nostalgia glasses on for this game, it's probably more in the 25 to 30 range. Okay. That's fair. I can, I can agree with that. You know, it's a disc and scratched and worthless and yeah, you know, this CD thing, media is terrible. It's an early PlayStation two game. So they probably made a gazillion of them. It was a third of a super successful franchise. You can probably get this in the dollar bin at your used store, uh, <laughs> used game store. A dollar is what I'm saying. You think it's going for a dollar on eBay? It's a disc, a PlayStation 2 disc. You, they like are basically have stacks of them block, like um, as doorstops at the retro game stores. No, no, Jordan, not not this. Oh not no, this boy. how much? Uh, this one uh, price charting puts it around uh, eleven dollars for PS2. Eleven dollars. Okay. Yeah, for a complete copy. All right, that's fine. Yeah, so for a complete it, copy, so it's like 10, 10, 11 bucks. Uh, GameCube and Xbox, though. Oh. What do you think those are going for? GameCube games are stupid expensive. So I'm going to say $30 on GameCube. No. It's only 18 Okay. Still almost 100% more than... Yeah. yeah. I'm terrible at math, so don't make me figure out what it actually is. But it's a lot more. Uh, fun, fun story. I had a GameCube uh, for maybe like a week oh. when I was younger before. Because I didn't have the extra $50 to get the PS2, so I got a GameCube instead. Oh, see, we just waited for a long time and then eventually got a PS2. The first GameCube that I bought was Japanese. Somehow Target sold me a Japanese GameCube. Oh. And um, I don't think you can change the language on it, so that you know was, what, that was Dan, weird. The, the police are not coming after you. You don't have to come up with an elaborate lie about how you imported well, illegally a Japanese GameCube. So I then bought another GameCube 
and got Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 for it. And it was just a bad time trying to play with that controller. Oh. So that was where I was trying to get to with the story, Jordan, was like, I just didn't have any fun when I played this game on GameCube. What? The controller? Why would the controller matter? The D-pad is slightly like down here and it's tiny. Oh, I can't say I've ever used the D-pad on a GameCube uh, yeah. You never taunt on Smash? Well, yeah, to taunt, but I mean, you don't really need... Uh, <laughs> and, all right. Anyways, anyways. But I did take that GameCube back and got a PS2 because my mom was like, just like... A, like you returned it? Me, yeah. She gave me the extra 50 bucks. Wow. Yeah. You like, you you got a GameCube and you went and played it for a little bit. Then you came upstairs and said, mom, this thing's no good. Well, no. It, the PS2 was what I really wanted. And it, I don't know. It was a whole deal. My mom is great. Wow. She's, she's a, she's... She was very That's good. incredible. She's, she's good. Uh, Xbox version, Jordan. Xbox you're, version. You're going to play it with your Duke controller. I'm saying if the PlayStation 1 was 11, GameCube was 18, the Xbox One has got to be like $6. 18. Oh, my goodness. Really? Yep. All right. Yep. It, uh, the Xbox and the GameCube are both 17 to $18. That, that's, that seems... Actually, price charting, about 50, 70 cents more than the GameCube game on average <laughs> wow that's and, uh, 17 to 18 for the non ps2 i don't think versions. of original xbox games as i feel like they're just like are like those dollar bin kind of games man i don't know just wait till uh wait another five years and then those will be the really expensive games i guess yeah um all right so uh, 10 11 dollars for ps2 i know worth, I, worth I, it or worthless i can't say worthless if it's only one dollar more than what i was gonna say anyway i'll say worth it and then <laughs> i thought you were gonna say worthless and i was no i won't i won't do that this it. time but <laughs> i mean you, if Jordan. i was really forced into it i'd pay two dollars for this game <laughs> yeah uh the 10 11 absolutely worth it 18 i don't i can't get behind tony hawk on a non-playstation controller it's just my own personal hang-up. Yeah, the N64 controller is the best <laughs> Tony Hawk controller. Well, there is a PS1 version of this game that is... Uh, I don't know about all that. Why does it matter? You're using the D-pad anyway. Because I've tried playing that game, and it's just like, oh, this isn't quite the same. All right, fair enough. But uh, $18, I mean, I guess... I would say it's worth it on those worthless on those platforms at $18. Just because... I don't like the controllers for this particular game, but that's just that's just me. So, but I'm calling it worth it. Absolutely on on PS2. You you got to get this in your collection. I'm saying a cautious worth it. No, it's no cautious. You would absolutely. I'm change agreeing your, with you. Just don't. Just, you would change your mind if you came back to this game for the next few days with me. Probably, I probably would. Yeah, and you learned how to play it, and you could finally beat me in graffiti. Uh, Wouldn't that be that. something not losing 14 to 2 or 22 to 9? All right, let's not talk about it. <laughs> All right, uh, are you ready to move on to our trivia segment, Jordan? I'm ready. Um, Dan has been beating me all day at this game, so hopefully you guys and your trivia questions that you sent in can beat him. Our first trivia question comes from at William G. Brown on Instagram, and he asks, what is noteworthy about the N64 version of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3? Is it A, that less than 400 copies were made, B, it's the last game made for the N64, or C, it was never released in Utah? Uh, or D, it's the worst version of this game. No, that's not <laughs> That's not what's noteworthy about the N64 version. What was, uh, what was the second choice? Um, B, that it was the very last game made think, for the N64. I think that that is true. I it feel is. Like I read that somewhere, yeah. It is true that it was the last official game made for the N64. And there is a rumor out there that there was only 396 copies made. And you will find that rumor all over the internet, but it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Because you would never only produce that many. And it was in stores and there's ads and stuff and lots of people had it. Yeah. So I don't know who made that typo at some point. Apparently there was a smaller <laughs> amount made, but well, yeah. they would never have only produced 396 copies. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that rumor is all over the internet, and somebody actually sent it to us as one of the trivia things, but then after Googling a little bit, it's like there's no way that's possible. Oh, you fact-checked, Jordan. That warms my heart. I did. All right. <laughs> so you got stumped, but we'll still send you some stickers anyway. All right, second question comes from at Sweet Feet Crips. Sweet Feet Grips, <laughs> who asks, which one of these is not an exclusive unlockable character on the PC version of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3? So which one of these was not, wait, no, no, no. Which one of these was 
Sorry, I don't know why I wrote not. Which one of these was an exclusive unlockable character for the PC version of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3? Okay, you ready? We got the N64 version, now we're doing the PC version. All right. Uh, was it A, Darth Maul, B, Doom Guy from Doom, uh, C, Dr. Gordon Freeman from Half-Life, or D, Wolverine? Which one of those was an exclusive character only available on the PC version? It's either Doom Guy or Gordon Freeman. Um, I've never, I don't feel like I've ever heard, there's nothing buried in my brain about the Doom Guy, so I'm going to say Gordon Freeman. It was the Doom Guy. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so uh, PC guys, you got a, you got a little exclusive character there. Interesting. Yeah, just this last week, actually, um, Doom went on sale on the Switch eShop for like two bucks or something. Yeah. So I bought it. It was my first time ever playing yeah. Doom. I saw you, uh, so you, I saw you come online yesterday on Switch. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to lurk on his profile, see what he's been playing. And I was like, Doom? Yeah. Like he's been playing, like, I was like, huh. It was, it was, I had a dollar in gold points. So it was only like a dollar 15 or something after taxes. Yeah. So I feel yeah. like I'm always surprised by what I see you playing on Switch. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I don't even know you. I don't know. Even though we do a podcast together. A lot of Animal Crossing and... Uh, yeah, 135 free. hours of Animal Crossing. <laughs> whatever whatever <laughs> the new free first-person shooter is. I'm just waiting for Halo to come out on the Switch and then uh, yeah, I'll never yeah. need to play anything else. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Congratulations at Sweet Feet Crips. You stumped in. All right. Let's move on to our bounty segment where we, uh, this month, are giving away a copy of uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater Remastered. Ooh, one and two nice mm-hmm. not on the switch though no maybe not someday maybe someday it will be so our winner will get to choose their ps4 or xbox one or i think pc uh version of this game uh we just want to know what your favorite extreme sports title is of all time oh okay so there you go for this month's bounty you can win a copy of the new tony hawk one and two remaster and all you have to do is send us a direct message on instagram twitter or in our email of what is your favorite extreme sports game of all time maybe it's uh, 720 on the nes maybe it's tony hawk pro skater 3 just send us a direct message and we will add you to the list of this month's successful bounty hunters and you could win that sweet game yeah where they where can they find us jordan you can find us on instagram and twitter at w-i-o-w podcast or you can email us at worth it or worthless podcast at gmail.com um, you might be wondering who won last month's bounty, and as of us recording this, it is still August, so you will hear the winner of next month's bounty, our Retron 5, in our next episode. Our next episode, which is going to be SSX Tricky. Ooh. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going from skateboarding to snowboarding. Yeah. So um, this is a, this was a classic one that a yeah. lot of my friends had, but yeah. I never actually had Tricky. Um, Neither I just did I. remember like the really catchy commercials with the mm-hmm. the hip hop song. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be interesting. We don't have nostalgia glasses for this game at all. So no, we'll probably offend a lot of people. Maybe <laughs> with Maybe. Our, our completely modern opinion on it for once. Yeah. Um, Jordan, do you have anything else before we close out the episode today? That's gonna wrap it up for me. All right, today to close out the episode with our music segment, we have uh, a classic remixed. The, uh, the Thunderstruck w- by ACDC? <laughs> TNT, actually. Oh. Uh, no, we have a, a remix of the, the Wii Shop Channel oh. song, <laughs> which is like uh, strangely catchy. Yeah. Like, yep, this is a song that I heard a lot because it's just like a, I don't know, a 17 second loop. Yeah, so but, there you uh, go. This will be nice and relaxing before yeah. you switch over to your next episode of Serial or whatever. Just uh, yeah. enjoy a few minutes of this We Shop Bop. Yeah, by DeFalco. He's on the Game Chops label. It was released as a single recently, and it's uh, it's good. I like it. Awesome. I'm excited <laughs> to hear it. All right, guys. I think that that is going to wrap it up for today. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.